is episode 202 of Come On Your Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. Welcome in. Gareth Wheeler alongside Terry Dunfield, Toronto FC legend, and a legend in the making, our producer Jerome Chang. Now, in terms of legendary status, who do you think holds a higher degree at this point? Is it you, Terry, or is it Jerome? Well, if without Jerome, the show wouldn't go on. So. <laughs> Good no, it, answer. It's clearly, it's clearly Terry. Like, I, I mean, like that's that's without question. I um, he's given no reason though. No, no, no. no. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, look, he brings all the analysis. He has His the experience. Um, and I, I really just hit record at this point. So I, I'm, I'm like, you guys work the magic. I'm just here. Uh, oh, come on. You booked it. a great guest for today, Jerome, director <laughs> of sports science with Toronto FC. Jimmy Liston's going to join the program. I've been bugging Jim to join us for years. And finally, we think it's going to happen right here today. So I, I saw him today Jerome. at the grounds. And so he is aware about it. So, so I, think, I think we've done everything we could to get him on, on this pod today. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, we're going to reflect upon the last two Toronto FC games. One, pretty decent. One, uh, not so much. We'll get into both games in a few moments' time. And what this means for the Canadian Rival Series as, based upon uh, Tuesday night's one nothing loss, uh, every game means something from here on out. Let's start with what happened Tuesday night down at an empty, a barren BMO field. And Toronto FC coming up with nothing, Terry, a one nothing loss, which is a little bit of a surprise considering how the game started for Toronto FC. I thought there was some good ball movement in the first half, some creativity. Josie Altidore simply just couldn't buy a goal. And then Toronto FC punished on a sloppy defending on a, on, on, on a set piece. And they ended up chasing the game from there. The whole world's talking about the penalty kick that was then wasn't. So I guess let's start there, right? Because I think that that's where the world is attention. And I think it's just beyond Toronto FC fans. The greater soccer and sporting world at large is still talking about what exactly happened between Alejandro Pozuelo and Pablo Piatti on Tuesday night. Yeah, it was an interesting one. Uh, I, I, I wasn't convinced it was a penalty. Uh, if you don't give the first one on Banks, I, I'm not sure how you can give the second one. I, I thought the two-handed push was actually more of a penalty. Uh, TFC at that point, it's just before halftime. It's uh, a great time to score. We're, we're one nil down, and it's almost a, a lifeline back into the game. So, so that's the context uh, pretty much with – Pozuelo stepping up to the ball. There's no crowd there, which takes away a little bit of a pressure. And you have arguably the best penalty taker in the league stepping up. I think he is. He's nine of ten. Like, who would be better? I'm not. I'm not sure if there is one, Terry. Yeah, and and it, it it's funny. Um, so at that point, I'm super confident. I still feel like he could step up with either foot. He's that good. I still don't know which <laughs> foot he is. Yes. And, um, and, and then you go into halftime with a nice feeling. I was almost getting ahead of myself a little bit. Uh, Montreal were campaigning hard. Thierry Henry was throwing his hat against the ground. And normally when players are coming up to the ref that, with that much sort of intensity and he's surrounded, there's probably something to it. So, so, so I, th I thought it was a little bit soft, never went to VAR. Um, and then Pozuelo steps up to take it. Still at that point, I'm not thinking something crazy is happening. No, and then uh, you see this little bullet, this jet kind of come out of nowhere 
over his right hand shoulder. Pozuelo taps it to the side, and I'm thinking, wow, what a great job, Jason Bent. Whoever would, whoever saw that on the coaching staff as 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 maybe like a scouting technique as a set piece. This is different class. They tuck it away, and the two best amigos, the two best friends, go away and celebrate. And then I see the referee point to the spot again, and I'm thinking. Was there encroachment? But then it's weird. If there's encroachment from TFC, it's a free kick. If it's from Montreal, the goal probably still stands. So this was all going through my head. I was lucky enough. I kind of came in with my media hat, so I was able to watch the game. Big thanks to Jerome. I run in. I meet you in the press room to watch it again, and I'm saying, Wheels, like, what happened? And, <laughs> and it was nuts. And it, yeah, and it was yeah. quite clear on the replay. Uh, Piatti's well into the D. Uh, this is why it's called back. And my take on it is there's a time and place for it. One nil down when you can clinch your spot into the final. You're against your rival. I know there's no crowd there. Uh, I, I just don't think it was the time for it. It's easy to say now. And then the other thing, I'd, I, I think you want to be careful too because you don't want to stifle creativity. You don't want to yes. stifle uh, that chemistry these two have. You can see their love for their game. It's infectious. This is what we saw in the first 15 minutes of the game. So it's a tricky one to manage because I'd, I, I wouldn't be too hard on them, but but they got it wrong. Yes, I, I think that's a great synop uh, synopsis that you pr pr presented there. I think that kind of ticked all the boxes. We should point out that the referees did get it right. Because by the word of the law, if there's encroachment by the attacking team when the penalty taker scores, they have to retake it again. But by the fact that Pozuelo didn't score, because he touched the ball and laid it off, and he is the penalty taker, that's why it goes and turns into an indirect free kick the other way. So I think it's some good refereeing, to be fair. Yeah. And while there's context of this happening, Barcelona, Messi to Suarez back in 2016. Yeah, precedent. Um, it was just a different time, Terry. There was no VAR. VAR is looking at everything. Suarez maybe was inside the area when that happened, when Barcelona did it before, but there was no VAR. So if the linesman or the referee doesn't pick up on it, um, which is very difficult to pick up on, just getting that timing right, then most likely that goal stands. But unfortunately, we live in an era where there is cameras watching. And so it was quite you know, it was rather simplistic to point it out with the benefit of a replay and how the referees got it right. Um, I have a theory about this, and, and hear me out. H have you ever been on a team where things are going a little bit too good for you? Like, have you been on a team where you're just cruising it? Because, like, we, we saw the, three are you taking the Have you seen my I'm teams asking. I played for? Are you taking the piss right I, now? <laughs> you, you, yeah, you, you, might, you might have had... I was, might have had a form. I was in relegation battles everywhere I was. I used See, to, go, was a I used to go, go to games with a tin helmet on. <laughs> See, if TFC were in a relegation battle, then I think that it just would have been straightforward Pozuelo. But the fact that I see what you're three saying. games, two against Vancouver, one against Montreal, there was very little resistance. 
those were like three training sessions, Terry. And I think that some complacency can set in when things are a little bit easy. And I, I don't think that Pozuelo and Piatti were looking at the one nothing score line. I think they just expected that they were going to go out there and score more goals because of how easy things were through three games. I, I kind of blame that on the, the opening goal as well. Defending set pieces like Toronto FC has been very good at that. They fell asleep on it. They didn't defend the short corner and Camacho scored because there wasn't enough numbers at the far post. I just think that complacency set in maybe a little bit of misplaced arrogance where they thought they could get away with it. And it almost worked spectacularly well, but it almost did. It didn't. And then it spectacular, spectacularly backfired against the team because it lets Montreal off the hook. They get to go into the room. They get to, you know, reestablish themselves as a defensive force, sit back. And that's how the game played out. So it's not as if I'm, I'm going to hit out at their intentions because I think that every coach would want to, you know, spark that creativity in very good creative players like Pozuelo and Piatti. But I think you're absolutely right. Wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. I add on top of that theory. Do you uh, agree with you, that theory? Jerome is no, no, patiently I, waiting I, for like 10 I, no, no, minutes I'm to curious, jump in here. Uh, just because like I was, I was, I mean, I was down by the pitch when that happened. And I think the best way you can kind of figure out in how, like kind of to your point about the idea of creativity and wanting to expand on it is just look at their celebration right after that happens. Like the joy that oh, they yeah. had. About, oh, like, yeah. like it was just like the perfectly plotted thing that they had. And I think, Kind of to your point, not just um, within the span of this, but you're talking about a guy who is famously known for panenkas, like just constantly like and getting through with them. The, the person who's willing to try that on the road against New York City FC on a match that like could cost basically their entire season. Like, I, I remember the comment. They're not from, afraid. You're right. You're right, Jerome. They're not they're afraid. Not, they're really not afraid. And I remember... It, it, it's like that's just a difference between it working out and it not working out in terms of the reaction because say that um shot back then didn't doesn't work out like you know he's uh he's experienced it before and he just like catches him on it like that could turn out incredibly bad like in terms of the reaction uh to it and then um but then you know it goes in that works out that time and then all you hear is the conversation i remember uh from our all for one moments and everything just the notion of like big balls you know just to be able to do it and i mean i i think there is like whether it's complacency or just kind of the idea of always wanting to try something different like some as someone who works in content you know we we're kind of in this position where i can I have no idea what's going on in their heads for that. I can only kind of just like try to put in the context of what I do, but you know, we do this podcast every week. We could just hit record all the time, but we always want to try to figure out new ways to approach it. But, but, the, but the, the problem here but the, it's the context is that for this, sure. is, this is a competition for and sure. say what you will about Montreal and Vancouver. They always give TFC a game and guess mm-hmm. what? TFC did not go out and win the Canadian championship last year and a birth in the Voyagers cup final is on the line. And, and that's what, why fan, the fan base will be so frustrated. And, and, it, and I've seen pushback against Greg Vanny inevitably because that for some reason is always the first answer. <laughs> There's no chance, Terry. I thought like 
when when KJ was talking to Greg Vanny at the half, like Greg Vanny had no idea that they had that planned. Like there was no yeah, chance yeah, they, that was by design. No chance. Yeah, in post game they actually said before the game if they get a penalty, they must have said this at the coffee shop to each other that this is what we're gonna do, and uh, they were they were true to it. And, and I think you also add to it, Marky Delgado missed a sitter, Josie one on one. The Josie getting on the end of the cross where the goalkeeper makes yep. ridiculous saves. Crazy. So there's probably four, three or four clear-cut opportunities before that where probably in the back of the mind, and, and, and we've talked it to death, there's that much confidence in the squad that even if it doesn't go in, we'll probably find another way to yep. create another opportunity. And then the last thing before we absolutely talk this to death, I'd say, is – there was a little bit of a stigma around Pozzuolo in that he plays for himself. He's got a little bit of a catch in him and, and it's all about me. And for a player who a little bit like Javinko loves stats, wants to see himself at the, you know, he's in the running for league MVP to, to actually share that moment with somebody else and not want to stick it in the back of the net yourself. Uh, I think that's pretty cool too. Well said. I, I, I agree with all of that. Look, if it comes off, it's the lead on every sports highlight reel across the planet. You know, last night and this morning, um, it didn't work out. Now Toronto FC has much more work to do. Um, what do you make of the rest of the performance, Terry? The word that Eric, Jack and Maddie and I used after 90 minutes was frustrating. It, it was just a frustrating night all around. It's one of those nights, and I didn't mention it on the postgame show, I feel like if there was a crowd at BMO Field, they could almost suck that ball into the net in the south end. But the, the stale environment kind of played into Montreal's hand, right? Because the game fizzled out. Vanny made changes. The substitutions didn't really work. It just kind of was just a blah. Like the first 45 minutes, you know, you have two complaints, the goal conceded and the penalty. The second half, it just completely fizzled out on them. Okay, let's go big. Let's go goal conceded. Big picture and frustrations. So, so goal, one of the worst feelings, even as a, I've been promoted, I'm the under 15 coach now, but uh, one, of, one, of, one of the worst feelings on the bench is, is when you give something to the opposite team that you shouldn't. Yep. And, and Westberg, uh, I, I don't think he tries to be too cute. He tries to play out of the back. Uh, and for whatever reason, he, he just sort of slaps it out for a corner kick. And, and then I, I, I've been there before on obviously a lesser stage with less at risk than, than the feeling Greg would get. But you, you, you just get that feeling in your stomach like, oh, no, I don't like this. And, and now all of a sudden Montreal presented with a corner kick. Uh, the ball in is fantastic. And uh, I, I think Moro's just a little bit late setting up. And, and I've been there. And now all of a sudden you're chasing time. You're chasing that cross. Your man's just got away from you a little bit. This happened to me at home against Houston. I'll never forget it. Kalen Carr was playing and I was picking him up. And because of, uh, he had one of those head things on. He had a helmet on because he'd taken too many knocks to the head or a little bit like Peter Cech. Kind and, of like the re- yeah the wrestling head game. yeah yes. and I'm thinking there's no way this guy's gonna head the ball with that thing on. So, funnily enough, he heads it and he scores. But um, 
a little bit similar to him. I was chasing time a little bit. And now you're looking at the flight of the ball. You've lost your man. And Moro's player, Camacho, who scores, actually gets up ahead of him. Yep. And he's still left on the ground, and it's in the back of the net. And, 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 and it's just a horrible goal to concede. And it, and it all starts with that needless corner kick. That will bother the defenders so much. Like, as a former defender, when your goalkeeper, who rarely makes an error, makes a mistake, you want to have his back. You want to get that ball out. It was just – it wasn't well closed down. It wasn't well defended. So um, – but still at that point, you're thinking, well, there's more goals in this game, right? <laughs> like, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's sure. be honest. And, and Brett, Greg brought on Io Akinola. Let's go big you, picture you know. first, Wheels. Yeah, sure. Let's go ahead. an interesting one here. And uh, there's definitely, and I've still got them doubts and question marks over Terry Henry. Uh, but what would you say TFC's strengths are? I'm going to slow play this one to you. Uh, I think that their movement on and off the ball is very intelligent. Yeah. I think that they're, they're sophisticated in the way they play, rotating players to the middle of the park and out wide and attacking in waves. I think, I think you saw like Auro and Pozuelo so many times find themselves in advanced areas, um, kind of in the pocket up and forward, down the they're, wings oh. and just playing it into the box a little bit. So that's their identity. You nailed it. Um, and so, so basically playing for that half space a little bit. And, and the way Montreal played is they had, they had a very sort of high-ish, but not too high where there was enough space you could get into in behind. Uh, they had a high back four-ish with a very flat midfield three with Wanyam in the middle, Piet, who looks like a fish out of water on the right-hand side. And then on the left-hand side, you had Maciel from Argentina, very good on the ball. But it, it, normally what you see is a triangle in midfield, but it was a very flat three. So there was zero pocket. There was zero space in between the lines for us to play for. So the space they were actually giving up was that space out wide. And that's why you saw Delgado rolling out. You saw Oso getting into that space. I think Greg left that three or on the right-hand side to, to do their thing of Auro, Piatti, and Pozuelo. But, but their, their setup made it really difficult to get into those spaces. A couple of times we did, we created chances. Uh, but, but I thought it was the first time I've actually seen a team play that way against us. Mm. And it was a night and day effort from Montreal from what they played on Friday night, where they look completely disinterested playing against Toronto FC. Yeah. I give Montreal some credit. Like, they were combative. You've got a goal Your to goalkeeper played, And their goalkeeper goal played well. Yeah. And, 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 honestly, and honestly, Terry, like Montreal could have had a couple more goals. Like Chris Mavinga had an outstanding sliding challenge where he made up seven, eight yards on Kyoto, who has pace to get mm -hmm. back for that challenge. I mean, Montreal caused some problems, and they did it like they did at MLS's back, trying to just simply play on the counterattack, play the ball over the top, and try to use take advantage of their pace. They, yeah, they played a little bit like the Seattle Sounders, with their lines just a little bit closer, a little bit of a different shape. When they played out of the back, they never played from side to side. They played vertically up the channel. They were comfortable to go long and just hope their front three could create something. Um, and, and they just made it, made it difficult for us. And uh, if, if I'm Greg Vanny, maybe, maybe I'm going to Ali Curtis and saying, you know what, for, this is why I need a winger. This is why yep. we need a little bit more out wide. That, and, and we have continued 
to bang that drum as well. Just that player that can get in behind the back line. And look, like, and let's get to the frustration because TFC yeah. had 20 shots on the night. They had 62% possession. They completed 86% of their passes. Like, these are decent numbers all the way around, but nothing to show for it. Gallardo, De Leon, Akinola, Endo were all brought in the game. None of them really made a difference. Nick De Leon just messed up and he's been so good for this team coming off the bench just Pozuelo put a ball right on his head just didn't catch it right just it was yeah. just disappointing the way the game kind of fizzled out at the end wasn't it yeah that was a half chance uh I'd say not eight or nine times out of ten with the chances we did create especially in the first half you'd say there was enough to go and win the game uh and 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 uh, you know, having not won now, all of a sudden you've got a different hat on and uh, it, it's easy to go, okay, we need this or we're short in these areas. Uh, so, so I'd say it, I, I wouldn't be too down, uh, but, but I think a couple areas were exposed. And, and the one thing I didn't like was, uh, and, and I think it goes to your point, there was a lot of frustration from the substitutes coming off. Yes. And, and, uh, what did you make? What did you make of that? Like, I, I understand players not wanting to come off, but I mean, by the nature of this season, you got to rotate, you got to keep players fresh. And if, if you see the work rate dipping, don't you really have no choice other than to switch it up? You do. But, but I think players have, uh, they're proud. I, 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 I think that they, uh, they still believe they can be the guy that, that'll get you over the line. Uh, and, and if you don't have that self-belief, there's probably a bigger problem. Uh, I, I still think you've got to be respectful when you come off uh, because the guy coming on uh, feels like crap. It's, it's almost mm. like, I, you, you know, this guy doesn't believe in me that I can go and do a job. Right. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't connect with the fact that we were undefeated for the last 18 games and things are actually really good. And it, it was just a a crazy turn of events last night. The fact that we didn't win. Um, and it also ended on a and, sour and look, note. Reals, look at just the last thing I'd say, I'm bringing it up now, objectively, if you look at it, as you said, 20 shots to 10, 17 created chances to eight, five big chances to two. And as you said, like absolutely dominated the ball. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to bring up from the game is the fact that Michael Bradley left the game uh, late. I didn't like the challenge from Maciel. How does that get pig. rescinded, by I, the way? I, 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 I call it a pig challenge, and people have questioned me on that. Look, he was late. He wasn't anywhere close to the ball whatsoever. I think the only reason why uh, the VAR changed it from a red to a yellow is because he didn't go high. He slid in low. That was the only thing that saved the player, but it was a night which should have been celebratory for Michael Bradley. Congratulations for playing his 200th game in major league soccer, but Bradley had to leave early. He grabbed straight for his knee and ended up walking down the tunnel. Toronto FC finished the game uh, with 10 men as now Bradley's going to be a little bit of a concern going on to play in the turf of BC place on Saturday night, then a game, all important game in Montreal next Wednesday. So Bradley's health is all of a sudden in the forefront. And that's the last thing that you wanted coming out of tonight. Okay. You drop a game, you're still in control of your own destiny in terms of this competition, but a Bradley injury, I mean, that doesn't, you know, fit the script whatsoever. 
it doesn't. But does that mean anything to Michael? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he'll be playing. Uh, I think he got a ready-made replacement uh, in Liam. Um, and having said that, though, like going into Vancouver on the back of shellacking them twice, you'd expect a reaction there. You would if I had any faith in Vancouver being a decent <laughs> side whatsoever. You know what the but, word but, on the, the but, word on the but, street is in the U.S. is like. I, I wish we could play Vancouver four times. <laughs> no kidding. I mean, uh, the, probably there's there's teams at the at the Island Games in the Canadian Premier League saying, "Well, why is it Vancouver in this? We could pick up an easy three points." Oh. <laughs> like it's just that's what it's been like. And 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 you know what? Like perhaps Greg, you know, if they came away with the win against Montreal and they would have just needed a point from their last two games, he could have taken a, a weakened side. Um, you know, he could have taken a week inside to Vancouver with them, understanding that a point would have been good enough, right? Um, uh, but a point would have been good enough. Instead, now you need to bring your full team, your best 18 players to Vancouver, then to Montreal. So, yeah, yeah I, I think maybe, uh, I, I'm sure Greg and his staff will have roadmap these games. Uh, but, but, it, but it's always, you know, that, that, Football always is like this. There's always going to be changes, man. Right. So now Toronto FC is on and remains on nine points through four games. The Montreal Impact have played three games. They're on six points. A reminder in this competition, Terry, um, that it's total wins, which is the first tiebreaker. So we stay on course. And if Toronto FC goes out and wins their last two games, they advance. But I'll say this, for this Canadian Rivals series to the first three games, everything was straightforward. Now there's some fire in this. Now every game matters. And it's not just the Toronto FC games that matters. It's the Montreal Impact and Vancouver Whitecaps games that matter as well. So all of a sudden, Terry, this competition's come alive, um, which is maybe the shot in the arm that this Canadian series uh, needed to begin with. Um, we're going to share some more thoughts on the last week in Toronto FC land, but we have our very special guest joining us on the fly. We've been trying to book him for what, 201 episodes now? And we finally got him in episode 202, the director of sports science with Toronto FC, Mr. Jim Liston. You finally have some time for us, Jim. Thank you. Uh, yeah, well, I've been, I've been trying to, you know, the truth is I've been trying to get on since 2016 and you just keep blanking me. You waited, you got, two, <laughs> you yeah. got 200 episodes in and you said, I locked in 200. Now we'll just, it's riffraff from then on out. You're good with that. Take it up with my agent, Terry Dunfield. Yeah, I will. Bring in the big um, dogs after 200. <laughs> and congratulations. Jim, Sorry, sorry. I just congratulating you on 200 episodes. Big deal. Thank you, thank you, pal. Congrats. We're, we're going to try to do at least 20 more. If we can okay. get to 20, I think we're on to something here. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, welcome to the podcast. This is great to have you here. So much to get into, but we should say congratulations to you as well, because all of a sudden media requests are flying your way with the introduction of the WideNet app. This yeah. is your baby, isn't it, Jim? Wide net app, which is yeah. basically uh, casting a wider net on scouting and finding mm -hmm. players at an earlier age in and around this yeah. area. Yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting because it was something back when I was with Chivas, 2011, 2012, that we sat down and, and on the whiteboard and just drew these circles. You know, can we cast a wide net? Uh, 
and then 2014 with Tim um, Desbachenko. And we talked about it. I have old notes from it. But, you know, the technology wasn't there, how to do it, how to scale it. Uh, it really wasn't until, you know, MLSC Digital Labs team and, and Hamza and Christian and Denise and that group that it became possible. Like, they, you just have an idea, and they said, yeah, we can do that. You're thinking, really? <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and so it's, you know, it's really, it's a, it's a teamwork thing. It, I think it was an idea that just blossomed with the right people. And, uh, I've got, you know, I'm really grateful for it. Excited. So let's go step through step by step here for our listeners that aren't sure what this wide net app is all about. Perhaps you can explain it a little bit sure. and how it works and how sure. it could be advantageous for the club. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's really just a, it's a simple tool for us to be able to assess, uh, potential soccer players at this age that might have the capacity to make an impact on the first team. That's really kind of the, the high line is, are there some outliers out there that we're missing? And we broke the, the app is in three pieces. The first piece is 20 meter sprint, 200 meter shell. So basically speed and fitness. Are you fast or you fit? Uh, a few reasons. A, it's, it's the simplest one, I think, for the app developers. And B, we, you know, physical capacity is important. Uh, version two will have a skill component, a technical proficiency component and then version three which will come out at the end of the fall uh will have a we're calling it mentality which would be mindset grit motivation those type of things will be inside the app as well so three three phases to this thing so the first thing that comes to mind um mm -hmm. might be okay you're quick you have physical ability how does yeah. that or how can that relate or uh, equate to someone being a, a very good soccer player well, we don't know, right? But we do know that there's um, positional profiles that we've been building and that this information, the data that we collect will be really helpful. We have academy players that are top. We've signed 15-year-old kids, 17-year-old kids. So we, we know the physical capacity, what it looks like. So, but that's certainly not enough. But that was the easiest, fastest way to get the app built was to start there. Right. And then if you have that, then we measure technical proficiency. There are a couple of drills that you can do to say, okay, this is a person that's also a soccer player that's on the ball. And again, it's a timing thing, like dribbling through gates um, so we could quantify it. So it was important to be able to quantify it away from a coach or a parent or whomever uh, because it's not scalable. I went out to Hamilton with uh, Tom Williams a couple of years ago. We tested 120 kids and it took us a couple hours. We had eight coaches and I'm like, this is never going to work. So if we can find a, through augmented reality that you can measure 20 meters and you can sprint 20 meters, somebody films you, and then you do a shuttle down and back 25 times, we've got a speed or a, a, a test of speed and a test of fitness. And, and pretty simple. And in, in tw we did 20 meters because you can do it inside a gymnasium. So it's not something that you even need to do indoors. We used to do a 300 yard shuttle, but you couldn't do that on a basketball court. So right. you start to think about, you could test anywhere. Find a park, find a gym, find a parking lot, and and be tested. And then it gets uploaded, and you compare yourself to kids your age. What I like is that it provides an actual metric in terms of what you're looking for in players, because mm -hmm. oftentimes recruitment is subjective. One coach will like how you might right. do one thing well, or perhaps he knows about you from a friend of a friend, but this actually is yeah. quantitative and this is just part of the analytical process. Is that the best way to describe this? Is that yeah. basically this allows you to maybe bring in some players who may be otherwise forgotten or missed in the process? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, we certainly can, we, we can all miss. I mean, you could scout a game and, and pick out a player and then miss a player. 
easily. And then you might not even be able to see that player again, or you don't. Uh, it's just a way to quantify things uh, for people, not only in Toronto area, but Ontario and Canada. And then you can start to measure up. How do you measure up? And we've broken it up into the, you can, I, you and I can compare each other um, to others that are our age, but we've broken into thirds. So January, February, March, April is one third. We, you know, playing on the, the breaking the field into third soccer wise. And then you have, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, you can squeeze it to a four month block. So we don't, that relative age effect of the kids born November, December often get overlooked because they are sure. not as mature as the kids born early in the year. And they've showed that NHL has the first four months, half the NHL is born then. So if we can then, you can say, all right, well, maybe I'm not at the top level. However, if I look at other kids of my, that were born in November, December, I'm right there. I'm spot on. And it also helps us to be able to compare that way. That we're not looking at January versus December because that's 11 months. It could be a year it's, apart. It's, it's, it's so interesting. One, I didn't even know that MLSC had a digital sports performance lab. Yeah. <laughs> there's upwards of 100 yeah. people working it. It's like, how did yeah. I, where do they put yeah. these people? Um, and, <laughs> right. and, and, and two, I, I'm sure at a more sophisticated level, these are measurables that you use in terms of evaluating and assessing your own players or potential right. players you bring to the club, yeah. right? Like this exactly. is just kind of yeah. the surface level stuff that you do mm-hmm. for, you know, full senior team players. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're setting up um, as we want to build a, a lab kind of just a little bit of offsite, uh, we'll be measuring 20 meter sprint. So the idea is that if we can get, collect as much information as we can, and find these outliers, but then also find there are kids that maybe they don't make it to the first team level or academy level, but at least they can measure up and say, this is where I am. I want to be good at this sport. Eventually, we'll start to provide exercises and drills through the app that this could help that you can then, if maybe it's just making your high school team. So, you know, the top level is let's find the next Oso. But then below that is let's find, let's introduce the sport to those maybe kids that don't play and then others help them develop to be the best they can be. So a little bit of a, a two-part question here is what age is ideal to use this app on or for? And two, how do you go about getting the app and using it appropriately? Uh, six and up and it's free on the app store. Easy. Piece of just cake. just yeah. punch Easy in wide net, yeah. TFC yeah. wide net. That's all you need to that's do. It. That's Amazing. It. It, do you know what? Yeah. It's so funny because this seems like something that's down I, I'm not a parent, but I could imagine this is something that parents would want to test their children with, right? Because everyone kind of wants yeah, to know absolutely. if your kid has what it takes, you know, is my, is my kid going to be, you know, spend a lifetime of just really enjoying this sport and playing at a very recreational level, or can they mm-hmm. enjoy it and maybe have a little bit more of a competitive spirit to it, right? And right. Th- right. this could be yeah. another tool to help determine that. Exactly. For sure. And, you know, and you can look at and the beauty of it. You can test yourself a number of times. You know, the first time you do 20 meter sprint might have been, might not have been great, but you, so you do two or three of them. Your top score comes in, there's a leaderboard. You can see where you fit. So go to the app store. Go ahead. Yeah. Go to the app store or if you have an Android and then just download the app, test it out. I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you and Terry to a 20 meter race and Jerome and we'll upload it. And we'll give ourselves some different name so people don't know who we are. But we know who we are. And let's see who's got the fastest 20. Let's do it. Let, let's pick a date so I can make yeah. sure I lay off the beers for a couple of weeks. Easy money. Easy money. Dunfield, Terry's betting on Terry. I'm betting on Terry too. So 
<laughs> Jim, Jim, the, Jim, though, yep. be, based on the form of our Monday night co-ed recreational league football team, yeah, um, yep. <laughs> I think your money's going to the wrong place. Wheeler's on form. Really? Don't feel not so much. Hey, okay, I'm All gonna right. be like tossing rickets in this group, mate. <laughs> I'm just gonna have to learn a way to edit the video to make myself seem faster. That's, that's my goal. Uh, just speed it up exactly a fraction Jerome. by a fraction. I'm, I'm excited for phase two as well when the technical pieces come in. Yeah, Terry, I think that's uh, that's going to be exciting as well. It, uh, you know, as we said, it's just trying to get a stake in the ground was to get this built in a, in a measure that was objective and it was based on time. And then the soccer component in the beginning will be a couple of dribbling drills, but we can foresee that in the future, uh, it, it's almost endless what we could do. And it's, a, it's an opportunity to try out from anywhere around the country and get well, in front of coaches like Terry and, and people can see them and say, look at this physical capacity. There's some video here. It's it's worth it. Maybe worth my, a shot. Jim, my my email box is filled up. Probably thirty emails a week. How do I get into TFC? How do I get a look? Yeah. Uh, it, it's one of the problems in our country. The country's huge. It's it's a barrier for sure. Yeah. How do yeah. I just have an opportunity uh, to be seen? And uh, yeah, I, I think not just in soccer and in, in everything. I, th I think people just want an opportunity and. It, it takes two seconds to sign up and do it. Uh, our yeah. academy teams are doing it already. Uh, it's added a, a competitive element to what we're doing. You can see yourself on the leaderboard right away. Jim, we were talking a couple of weeks too, where potentially we could mm -hmm. see what Josie Altidore's time looks like. Right, right. I mean, to be able to, con you know, to be able to compare yourself to, to the pros. And, and to, you know, when you think of we've signed a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old and that we have academy players that aspire to that, but there'd be aspirational around the country. You may then, measure up. And how current is it right now when you look at Canadian men's Canadian national team player Alfonso Davies? Yeah. Yeah. The timing, the timing couldn't be better when you think about it. You know, <laughs> he was a diamond, as they say, he was a diamond in the rough and, and now he's the first Canadian to, to win Champions League is incredible. I mean, what a, what a night that was. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, and um, he's on and the tip of every, he's globally on the tip of everybody's tongue, you know, mm -hmm. when it comes to a left back. Well, and, and j just being young players, Terry and I, who've come through the Canadian system, it's so great to know that there's not only a clear pathway now to becoming a professional mm -hmm. player or, or aspiring to reach their dreams, but there's actually people looking out for that talent as well and much more sophisticated ways. So I, I congratulate yeah. you on this venture. Uh, it makes too much sense. And we're really looking forward to seeing where it goes from here. Uh, before we let yeah. you run, I wanted to touch on, sure. I mean, you've done such a great job with this team over the years. I mean, they've been among the, if not the fittest group in major league soccer for three, four years running. There's no question about that. But this year of some incredibly difficult hurdles and, and, and curveballs are being thrown your way dealing with COVID. How have you managed to work with the players in such a different way? How much have you had to kind of cater to the individual rather than the masses when it comes to this? Just maybe you could walk us through what the past six months has been in the world of, have been like yeah. in the world of the director of sports science for Toronto FC. <laughs> well, I mean, stating the obvious, it's been the most interesting year in, in my career. That's for sure. Uh, but I, I think, you know, the, the NBA doesn't play on Wednesday night, May 11th, and there were rumors about it. And then we were at the stadium on uh, training on that Thursday, the 12th. 
got together and decided we weren't going to train. And then we just, I just sat with the staff and, you know, Tom and Carmen Cello and Shohei. And we just said, we need to be able to deploy by Monday because we're not sure how long this is going to take, but right. we need to be able to make sure that our guys can continue to train. So, you know, made phone calls and sent emails, spoke to Peloton, got Peloton bikes, got treadmills delivered, um, had Brenner pick up weights and some of the bikes that we had at the training facility that we had also at the stadium. And we just got it out there. But I got to be honest, I thought it was going to be two weeks. Like, oh, yeah, we're good for two weeks. <laughs> we all did. We all did. And, yeah. and so then, then you're like, and we did Zoom calls and we sent out rubber bands. We sent out pro. The second deployment was protein shakes. The third deployment was we ordered 50 uh, GPS units so that we could start recording their training. So we had to get that. for. So we had to spend a little money. The club committed to money that just in the first couple of weeks that we don't know how long this thing is going to last. Uh, but I would say by the second week, end of the second week, everybody had everything they needed uh, to at least to keep some level of uh, fitness and conditioning. And, you know, the classes that guys participate, they were great. I mean, it's the power Like we have talented players and the players that they took it seriously. And this thing went on for months and they were um, they were really resilient with it. Near, the, near about midway through, there was a few of the older guys said, do we really need to be on Zoom? <laughs> probably not <laughs> so <laughs> there's kind of a we all ask that question where, we right, all ask that question every day jim by the way like do i really need to be on zoom <laughs> I, do, so. I need to be on zoom six days a week so we you know we tweaked it we took them in and i think it was a collaborative effort on, on kind of what worked what didn't work and you know each there were different people were exercise leaders right Shohei and kevin had the bike group parm had the airdyne group Jello had the treadmill group and Tommy had the run outside um, strength training in, on the Zoom workout. So everybody had a group leader and, you know, I think it worked. And I, to be fair, I think from a staff standpoint, it was great from their own leadership to be able to lead these classes, uh, you know, in, in front of a group, which doesn't always happen. Certainly the medical staff doesn't get that opportunity very often. So I think overall, everybody became more well-rounded. Uh, you know, and then we were getting ready. We, we did the individual training, then the small group training, and then the full training. And then you go to the bubble in Orlando. And to be fair, it felt really safe down there. And then you come back after quarantine for two weeks. That was like, that was unbelievable. Like we had felt like, all right, we, we didn't play well against New York City, but we felt like we had, we were playing well in the, in the first three games and the team was coming together and we're like, we're going to land and we are just going to go like this. And now we're out for another couple of weeks. So thankfully, we, I forgot to get a hold of Brenner to make sure all the bikes were picked up and we get the treadmills back. They were still at everybody's <laughs> house. <laughs> so I'm like, perfect. I'd like to tell everybody that was part of the plan, but that's just a lie. Um, so everybody had their stuff. And, uh, you know, and we just said, all right, we got a Zoom workout tomorrow. And everybody's like, are you serious? Like, yeah, I mean, this is what we do. We have no choice. We have no options. And then the guys just get on with it. I think uh, for, for our team, like the adaptability and resilience is incredibly strong. It just, it is what it is. It's, you just get to that point. I don't know if, I think maybe COVID's done that for all of us. We just, we're just adapting. Um, it's not right. optimal. I mean, I can't tell you. I was so burnt out on Zoom calls a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I love this one. I'm, I'm, I'm over my burnout. I appreciate you guys. Um, and they just, they got on with it and we came back to the field and then, you know, because they have GPS and we can quantify it, then we just modify it again and we get, and then we get ready for games. Uh, I don't, there's no roadmap. This is something that it went this long is, um, 
it's, it's hard to believe. And, but I'm really, I'm really happy that the guys just, they just stuck to it. Jim, it's inspiring listening to you, man. Uh, was, was there, was there a funny moment or a time that comes to mind where the team really came together and, uh, showed that resilience or unity that you're talking about? Well, yeah, it was the first day that we had to do a zoom call with the whole group when we got back from Orlando. Like that was that, that was it. That was the moment. Like, like you're like, are you kidding me? It's like, seriously, we're, we're rolling now. And we thought somehow we were going to get some special treatment or something <laughs> wrong answer that the first day and the guys just were kind of like let's let's get on with it. i don't know if it's a funny moment but it's just a moment of it is yeah. kind of it is what it is and and that was that kind of resonated with me that it allowed us to get to the field and when we got to the field we were comfortable getting into full training the first day back that because vancouver of all the work they did over those two weeks that first event game against vancouver went okay too it was like they were right? kids that again almost that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That helped. Uh, but I would say over the course of this entire that time that, that the guys just put the work in and, and you had a choice to do it uh, or not to do it. Um, and they just did it. They did it. So now, 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 now actually, Terry, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to make sure that they get the treadmills get picked up. The bikes get picked up. So actually we have a gym at the facility. Don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. I keep on hearing second wave. Just leave them there, Jim. Just leave them there. No, man. Well, we're I can't let Bill and Ali want to know, like, we're going to get billed for the treadmills. I can't, I mean, I gotta, I'm going to have to get them out of there. You know what I mean? Those are like my suits on TSN. They're like rentals. I got to give them back. <laughs> uh, Jim, Jim, I want to, I want to ask you, like, yeah. I, I, obviously all of this is completely out of your hands. What, what we've noticed over the last few years, as the season mm -hmm. goes on, this Toronto FC team gets fitter. Like they get better, yeah. more difficult yeah. to beat. All of these long MLS Cup runs, mm -hmm. like it, it's just remarkable yeah. the amount of games they played and the fitness levels that they're able to achieve. Yeah. I, they, they can't be anywhere near that level right now, but can you quantify what kind of toll that's taken and, and how everything's kind of being augmented? Like they, they can't be operating anywhere near what you would perceive as hundred percent capacity. Right. Yeah, I, I would say, and you know, it's September and in September we're, we're on a run of things in the past because you've got, you get new players that are coming in and it takes a few months of preseason and some games to really be able to quantify maybe what they need. You know, it's a team sport, so it starts team first. But then as you get players around for a couple of months that we add, I think we're able to individualize it a lot better. And so when September rolls around, you're pretty, rot you're pretty wired. Like, you're, you're solid on what everybody needs uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. If there's a large block of games, who needs to rest? Who needs to work harder? Who needs to sprint? Uh, and I, I don't think we're – you know, we just don't have as much information. And right. nobody's really sure what it's like to – and we're used to a six-week preseason and then an eight-month or nine-month or ten-month season. But we don't really have that foundation. So I think anybody in the league uh, would look back and say, we're kind of uncertain uh, what, what we have in the tank. So it's going to be interesting, and we're going to have games that are going to be close together. Uh, so uh, as, as always, squad rotation is going to be important. Uh, but I would say December 12th is MLS Cup that when the playoffs happen in November, we'll be, we'll be ready to roll because if we, if we start playing now, we have a couple of months, we'll be good.
I just have one more question. I'm not sure if Terry has anything else, but sure. just is it, oftentimes you look at metrics, whether it be how the team's performing mm-hmm. over the course of the last 50 minutes of game. I mean, yeah. you can go through any number. Is there a positive number that you're looking at right now, whether it be for a player or, or the group that really leads you to believe that the players are on it and things are going to like really come good in the coming weeks. And, and you might be throwing yeah. another curveball because all we know is that there's the next week, the two games for Toronto <laughs> right. FC, then who right. knows after that? Right. Right. And, and you know, and uh, we take pride in goals, goals, for and goals against And Before I got on, I, I had hit up our, I hit up Dev. I said, Dev, you got this information. I don't, it was only 20 minutes ago. So he hasn't gotten back. <laughs> so I don't have that. Okay. Uh, but I do have, you know, we have years of distance covered, distance covered, uh, different speed bands, 12 to 14 miles an hour, 14 to 17, 17 to 19 max velocity and distance covered is spot on. And we're good with that. Uh, I think what's interesting, in the, and this is crazy, in the last couple of weeks, we've had players meet, run their fastest. Their max velocity was hit in the last couple of weeks. I mean, maybe Zoom workouts should be part of training. I don't know. Uh, but I, but that, we look at the high-speed running, and if they can do repeated high-speed running, we know that they'll be good. Awesome. You know, the volume, like distance covered, is, hasn't changed in the last 10 years, but the speed has. And if we get guys covering ground at high speeds – we're good. And we have, and we have been doing that. So uh, I'm happy about that. Awesome. Terry, anything else from you? I've not been able to hang with Jim as much. So it's, it's nice to see you, Jim. Uh, no kidding. Right? No kidding. Yeah. How, are the, how are the young guys doing? It was great to see Noble get his debut. Jaden, yeah. uh, Jaquiel yeah. Marshall Ruddy's been uh, hanging with the mm-hmm. first team squad. Uh, how, how are they doing? Uh, I think they're acting really professional and, I think the, again, the, the, there's silver linings to this, that when we had to go to the individual training and small group training, you know, in between field one and two, we painted big social distancing circles and guys had to come out of the locker room because there are only seven in the first team locker room than the USL locker room. So everybody came out to the field earlier. They got more attention from the coaching staff during the individual training, small group training, and everybody was outside much earlier than normal. And you see players like, Michael and Nick DeLeon and Oso and these guys that have just these habits that they just, they just get on with it. They go in, they have a pre-prep routine, they do the warm up. they have after training, they lift weights, they stretch and they can see it because the players are not in their lockers anymore. And um, they're, I, I would say, A, they're becoming professional, acting professionally faster. And then I think they're just, because there are so many of them, for some reason, this, this group, right, I feel like they're improving. You know, you can check with the coaches that they're improving quickly. Yeah. 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 It's like they're, they're not – it's just through. not one or two of them, right? There's like five, five guys and six guys that are, are looking to, you know, become a pro and be an impact player. And I think that that's uh, – it's been helpful. Are they pushing the old guys yet? They're trying. They're nice. trying. But this is uh, – a. <laughs> These 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 old these old these older guys they don't get pushed older. around. Older, yeah. <laughs> old you don't guys. push these guys around. You yeah. you have to try to run them over. You ain't gonna push them. Not this crew. <laughs> nice. There's a great balance in the squad, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this has been great, Jim. The, I want to echo Terry's sentiment. I always enjoy being up at the training ground and running into you. You're always you're maybe the one guy that can match me pound for pound, energy for energy. Like that, that's what I'll say. Because uh, yeah, sometimes yeah. I'm like, 
oh, am I driving people nuts up at the training ground? Then I see yes. you and I feel better about myself. <laughs> you're like, you're like that guy is. Um, so I'm good. But check it, <laughs> fellas, look at this thing. Citizen of Toronto t-shirt for anyone oh, that's yeah. listening right now. Uh, yeah, that's it. Buddy, yeah, this is TFC, home. This is home for you. Toronto. Um, yeah, li- listen, um, all the respect in the world for the job that you do. Congratulations on this app. I know it's just the beginning. And uh, look, a couple big games ahead for Toronto FC. We need to get back yeah. to the Voyagers Cup final and win the Canadian Championship. So hopefully this team just digs deep over the next two games and comes away with th- yeah. two victories and there'll be no guessing. We'll just be there. Right. Uh, agreed. Listen, I, I appreciate you guys. And I tell you, the goal now is 275. Cheers episodes. I looked it up. I heard Jerome from the last podcast, Cheers. 200. You topped Friends. You topped Seinfeld. Yep. You got to top MASH. And that 256. And then Cheers is 275. So if you get there, I'd like to be on 276. Beautiful. Uh, we should do it from the pub, just like Cheers. That would be more, more <laughs> sure. apropos. So, that would be. Let's hope, let's hope we can gather soon enough, guys. Absolutely. Uh, thanks, Jim, for doing this. Much appreciated. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate all your great work. Thanks, Jim. See ya. Director of thanks. Sports Science for Toronto FC, Jim Liston, joining us on Come On You Reds. Uh, that was awesome, Terry. Like when, when I say energy v energy, like that's it. Like he is such, um, an important figure in just establishing the tone and establishing standards inside of the BMO training ground. So, um, all the respect in the world. Um, I need to, I haven't downloaded the app yet. I need to do that and start testing myself, my friends and their children and making sure I put the kids to shame. It's a good time to test now. It's like the first day of preseason. You want to sandbag it a bit, and then you'll see a bit of improvement. Good call. You got to be strategic. Jim, Jim, first and foremost, no one knows their, their stuff like he does. His, yeah. uh, his, his experience added to that is second to none. Uh, but what separates him from uh, many people in his industry is, is just his EQ and uh, – and just understanding what's needed in the moment. And uh, as you said, is there's nobody easier to talk to at the training ground than him. Uh, Jerome, so we, we, we got to go about setting this up at some point. We'll need some time in order to get our fitness in, in order. For but sure. Jerome we'll, we'll v. Like, Terry V. Wheeler. This will be like a blue, <laughs> Christmas bloopers video. <laughs> I, I think we'll... <laughs> you know the ones you buy on Boxing Day? <laughs> Yeah, like just just whatever volume at that point. Um no no we we I'll we, be we gotta running figure out like how to a, make that happen. I'll be running like a pirate on one leg. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta figure out our aliases just because obviously all this will be uploaded into the app after the fact, but we may not want right. it under our uh, specific name. So everyone needs to figure out their alias, what they signed up for, and uh it'll be fun. Yeah, we should, well, we should well, try it, that out. It depends on how I fare. If I do well, it's wheels up. For if sure. I do bad, wheels down. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Toronto FC, Vancouver Whitecaps, Saturday night. It's a late one, Terry. It's going to be past your bedtime. Uh, Whitecaps are going to be a little bit more well-rested. They're going to be back at home. Does that give them any of a chance whatsoever against Toronto FC? Uh, going on the last two games, they're in trouble. Having said that, uh, if anyone can galvanize a squad, it's it's Mark DeSantos. Uh, but but I think you can only play on emotion so much. 
uh, as he said, I think TFC's squad is better. Uh, I think Greg's been a step ahead with how he set his squads up and, and, and almost I, I, I think he's expected Mark to come out the way he has done and, and, and set his team up knowing that. Uh, but, and, and the other thing probably not great for Vancouver is, is there'll be probably a reaction from, from last night in TFC losing. Right. Um, I'll, I'll say this, the second tiebreaker after total wins is goal difference. So TFC yeah. right now, the, tur- um, the travel and the turf four, sucks as well. But that, they need to score cool. goals, Terry, because look, Montreal plays Toronto FC Wednesday night. Then they have two games at Vancouver the following week. You don't want to leave it to chance. You know, it, if you beat Vancouver, go into Montreal and draw next Wednesday night at 8 p.m., then it's up to Montreal to pump the Whitecaps, come away with two wins and score as many goals as they can to boost their goal differential. If TFC wins both these games, there's no question. They're moving yeah. on to the Canadian Championship Final. So get the job done. And hopefully that was a wake-up call on Tuesday night and the team will be ready for it. Nothing comes easy against the impact in that game against Wednesday night. It's going to be a nerve-wracking one. I don't think one, for the players. I just think for the the on-looking fandom and public. I, I, I and support. think the other one in Vancouver is if, if TFC score first or start well. I, I think they're feeling the heat too. That I think everybody knows. Axel came out their sporting director and said, "Look, we need change. I'm going to turn this club around." And and it was almost cryptic. I I, I think everyone's feeling the heat right there. Uh, you just don't give them anything uh, to build on. Good stuff, Terry. Uh, good stuff, you Jerome, too. as well. Thanks, guys. Jim, listen, Thank top guest. Thanks to for Jim for joining us as well. We'll be back next week. It's a huge week for Toronto FC. Saturday night in Vancouver. Wednesday night in Montreal. You can watch both games on TSN. On behalf of my, my main man, Terry Dunfield, and my other main man, Jerome Chang, I am Gareth Wheeler, and this has been Come On Your Reds.